Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 299. We're, we're one away. Do we not say our last names anymore? What's that all about? Uh, yeah, this is like... Um, Familiarity? Yeah, they know who we are. Okay. I mean, unless it's their first one, but even if it's not, they'll figure out who we are. Okay. So welcome. This is uh, number 299. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? I do. And our motto, sweetie, the yep. best predictor of a child's well-being is what? A parent's self-understanding. Um, on today's show, kindness, because it's kindness month. Do you have the information on when on that whole screening thing is? Yeah. Um, let's see. So April 18th. Monday. Yes, it's a Monday at um, York High School here in Elmhurst. They're doing two screenings of the documentary Finding Kind. Um, there is one at 3.30, and most likely that's for the students. They'll mm -hmm. just stick around, but I'm sure anyone can come. And then there's another one at 6.30 for people who may have to work that day and can come later. And um, Finding Kind was a documentary that was created actually a few years back, um, but it still is relevant today. It holds up, and um, we highly recommend that you attend, uh, regardless of what age your children are. It's free. Yeah. Um, but it is basically focused on um, girls and on middle school and high school. But I'm telling you, it has everything to do with boys also because we're interconnected. And it has everything to do with when your children and little are little and how you talk to them early on about friendships, about kindness, about compassion and empathy. So don't think that it doesn't apply to you because um, it does. And what, are, what is our role? Oh, we are um, kind of hosting the Q&A. So we'll be there. So when the movie is over and there'll be a microphone and people ask questions, you and I will be um, fielding those questions and promoting discussion and maybe asking more questions. That's the dealio. So hope you, hope we see you. I actually had to move my men's group because of this. Cool. This is a nice opportunity that popped up. So we're looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Um, you're going to talk about an Atlantic article. I am. What's the name of it? Uh, the you know it's got two different titles. Oh, that's ridiculous. But it's the title that I will use. It's it's no spanking, no timeout, no problems. A child psychologist argues punishment is a waste of time when trying to eliminate problem behavior. And I'm going to talk about, or we're going to talk together about a 60 minutes thing that I had you watch this morning. Yes. Yes. Even before the kids bailed for school, I said I had a good idea for the podcast, and you got worried because you've been reading like six books this last week. <laughs> yeah, I've got like way too many ideas for. Kindness Month, but this is what you brought up was really good. So, so, uh, and I'm gonna play some clips from that. So, um, without further ado, let's get into it. I think we should start with 60 minutes. All right. So, let me get my notes to 60 minutes. Tick, 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 tick. All right. Tick. So, you didn't get my joke that I. You're not listening to me. Oh, I heard it. <laughs> tick, 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 tick. Here's my deal about 60 minutes. Here's okay. my tournament of bad entry. Where's my tournament of bad music? Not my music, my tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. <laughs> um, they always, you know, hi, I'm Scott Pelly. Uh -huh. I'm blah, blah, blah. Leslie Stahl. Yeah, so uh, there's always like seven of them, but only three of them are in that episode. Right. And it's always a different set of people that say who they are. Why is that? Because, okay, like, what you're saying is everybody who introduces themselves aren't necessarily on that episode of 60 Minutes. Right. And then there's like new people that just kind of show up. I think that when you work for CBS and you are a journalist and you are on any of the shows, that if you are a um, if you are pretty well known or you have some some pretty great experience, you are asked to be a, a 60 Minutes reporter. Um, I think that some are... Um, more uh, regular than others. Yeah, like there's a, like uh, Lara Logan, you know, you see her all the time. Right. Um, and or Morley, Morley Schaefer. Yeah. Schaefer, Safer, whatever. It's just Morley. Morley. Um, just a, it's a great name. And But I, I think I remember from reading Dan Harris's book, which was 10% Happier, yeah. that you that's part of the process of being on CBS News is maybe not everyone get asked, you know, gets asked. So my tournament bad is to stop doing that and just give me who's on there that night. But there, it's a yeah, just stop. It's it. an acknowledgement of you know how far they've come in the world of journalism because truthfully, sixty minutes is a pretty damn good show. But as the viewer, I don't really care other than who's on that episode. But they care. 
and they're know, not doing it. But I am the viewer, so I am the boss. I like the beginning. Do you? Well, it's it's been uh, it's been the same except yes. for the people. It's like consistent. Well, whoever the guy is that kind of owned the he he was like the main producer. Yes. I forgot his name. He yes. died like two years yes, ago. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Since then, it has, in my opinion, not not been as good. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I listen to the podcast all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll listen to the three quick summaries and most often I will skip them all because I'm not interested. But today was an exception. I was on my way to yoga, right? my 6 a.m. yoga class, and it was about the prison system in Germany. So when I said to Kathy this morning, I got a great idea for the podcast, it's about the German prison, prison system. And you're like, ooh, can't wait before you knew what it was all about. Right. So um, it was a 13 minute segment. I'm going to play certain clips from it, hopefully, if the technology works correctly. But the way that the Germans address prison is different than the way us Americans address prison. The reason this is important is because it talks about punishment and retribution and making these people pay the price for what they did wrong. And in a weird way, it kind of relates or correlates with the way we parent. Like, do we discipline our kids or do we love them and connect with them? And obviously you and I have been talking for 299 episodes, how we should love and connect with them as opposed to put them in a timeout or spank them or ground them or do one of the many other types of discipline. Partly because it feels good and partly because it's more effective in the long run. It's not just about, you know, being passive and about saying this, I'm just going to do this um, because it feels good and it doesn't matter what the outcome is. The outcome is actually better. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to say before you launch in is that I think what's interesting about that this is a German prison is because of the reason why German prisons changed. Did you have that in your notes? Uh, I think I do have it, and I might even play a clip from about that. About why. Okay, yes. because that's that's really what Todd and I want to talk about today is the core of everything, what everything stems off of. Um, because a lot of times we try and make surfacey changes, mm-hmm. and we'll say, well, I'm, I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to dig into this. I'm not going to look at this, but I'm going to change this really surface thing. And that will not sustain. Right. Changes have to be made at the like the deepest level first and the deepest level of understanding and belief. And then from there, all changes are made. Yeah. And so it's like a seed. It's yep. like planting a new seed. Well, and and the, the gist, before I get into st- some statistics and play some clips, is they treat their prisoners. And, that, and when I say prisoners, we're talking about murderers. Right. We're, we're not talking, talking about, about mm-hmm. first-time offenders who got busted smoking pot. These are people who murdered people. And the bottom line is the way that these Germans treat their prisoners is with humanity mm-hmm. and kindness with the intention of rehabilitating them so they can go back into society. Correct. But here's some stats. Five, so the United States has 5% of the world's population, but 25% of its prisoners, Right, which is pretty striking. Yes. So we have just an amazing amount of prisoners in, our, in, in the world, and we have 25% of them come from the United States. Yes. We spend $80 billion a year yes. on prisons. So for those of you who are very cost conscious, it's actually what you will find out through listening to us talk and hearing these clips, it actually makes better money sense to treat your prisoners with kindness as opposed to making them feel worse about themselves themselves once they get in. Because if they are in prison their entire lives and if we decide to just lock people away, basically what we're going to have to do is just build more prisons right. and spend more money. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Germans' intention is for rehabilitation versus what ours is, which is retribution. Correct. Okay. And rehabilitation and reintegration. Yes. So the whole idea is to give people uh, a, a different way to see themselves and to see the world and then help them normalize that so they can reintegrate. So will you kind of paint a picture of what you saw today of what it's like to be a German prisoner that's serving a life sentence? Um, well, you live in like a dorm room. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty nice. Uh, you have your own key to your room so you can come and go. Um, the, my favorite part of it, which I was like, oh my gosh, like I just started to laugh in a good way was that they actually have what's called, um, I wrote down PPP, personalized person or prison plan for each person. It reminded me, reminded me of an IEP, like a, in a school system. If you have a child who has uh, special needs or who needs assistance in some way in the school, you get what's called an IEP, which is an individualized education plan. And what that does is it helps teachers and people who are working with the child focus on what they need and what skills they need to achieve. Well, 
these prisoners, these German prisoners, you know, they get behind bars. And the first thing that's done is there's a personalized prison plan for them. What do they need to reintegrate? So they go through, they decide, you know, what kind of therapy do they need? What kind of um, uh, normalization do they need? Normalization meaning what new things do they need to uncover and discover about themselves and about the world? You know, what kind of, um, you know, relaxation techniques do they need? They have yoga there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this, it's a completely different mindset about how, people, what's really the consequence for them is their loss of freedom. Right. Because what what people will say when they hear this is, well, then why are they in prison? To be locked up and not really have choices about where you go is a consequence. Yeah. In, in itself. And especially to Americans. I mean, what we value most, it, what is what is inbred in us is freedom. Correct. So anyways, and a few other things kind of to piggyback what you're saying, the cells, the cells do not, they have doors and not bars. Correct. Yes. Uh, So right there, you are a human rather than an animal. Right. There's something about bars Mm -hmm. that just make you feel like there's a, there's an animal component to it. And I hadn't thought about that till I saw A hierarchy, I am better than you or I am superior to you and so on and so forth. You can play video games. They can decorate their cells. They have darts, beach volleyball, painting, pottery, yoga. I mean, it's quite crazy. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, this is in no particular order. I'm going to play three different clips. And the news reporter from 60 Minutes is talking to the 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 warden, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, of the system. So hopefully this works. No victims, things like that. Well, where does punishment come in? The, the incarceration, the imprisonment itself is punishment. You, the loss of freedom, that's it. I think Americans think crime and punishment. You say punishment is not even part of the goal no. of the German prison. No. At all. Not at all. So- oh, wait. I think there's something else good. Oh, so okay. life inside prison mirrors life outside as much as possible. Germans call it normalization. It starts with small prison populations. Low-level offenders get fines or probation. Prison is reserved for the worst of the worst, murderers, rapists, career criminals. We were surprised how quiet and peaceful it was inside Valdeck. We wondered where all the inmates were. It turns out they were relaxing outside on this sunny day. This is unbelievable. You're in for murder and you have a key to your cell. Cells have doors, not bars. It's for privacy. Inmates can decorate as they please. We saw Jörg Mühlbach playing video games in his cell. All right, that's good enough. So it kind of paints a picture of what it is that we're talking about. And visually, it's pretty amazing because, you know, they show them walking down the hall to prison. First of all, it's completely quiet. You know, it's just this really kind of peaceful place. And it it does it's not like it's fancy by any means it's very scaled down but the walls are painted yeah. it's not depressing yeah. it's not dirty so it's not as if they live in luxury by any means but there is a sense of respect for human dignity right and you know just what they said is is the case like these these people are given the opportunity to learn how to relax, to learn how to um, get along with each other. Yeah. I mean, that in itself, think about our prison system. What oh. do you think about when you think about prison they're in gonna our country? Get, they're going to hurt themselves. They're going to hurt each other. Yeah. And so basically then you say, you're going to learn how to become, we all know this. We've all either seen the prison documentaries or we know someone who's been in prison or we've seen the prison movies or the prison TV shows. We know what happens. And then we say, okay, now basically we're going to send you to a place where you have to up your game and become more violent. And then we're going to protect yourself to protect yourself and stay alive. And now we're going to, you know, now we're going to put you back on the street. So why do we bring this up? And I'm going to play another clip here in a second, but um, you know, these are murderers. These are people who have have had the worst offense that you can possibly have. And this is a parenting podcast. So how do these two ideas line up as parents, as you know, you and I talk to parents all the time and there's times when people are like, but you know, punishment works. We need to instill fear in our kids. So they respect us and all these other things. The country of Germany has embraced these murderers with a sense of kindness and compassion with the expectation and hopes that they will go back out into the world and make the world a better place. What I'm asking our listeners to do, if they do believe in punishment and punitive and all that stuff, 
is to reframe what you think is right because the, we're talking about our children, people who we love, people who we want to, um, you know, change the world in a better place, and yet we still punish our kids. And what you and I have talked about over the last 299 podcasts is you need to connect with your kids. You don't need to instill fear into them. You need to create a safe place for them to feel when they come home from a long day, as opposed to, you know, screaming at them, telling them they got to clean the room. It's always with a sense of connection. And, you know, one of the things that I loved about the the prison story was that all of the guards have been given extensive training, psychological training, and they, they call them calm down experts. Yeah. What these... Um, guards have been trained to do is first teach themselves how to calm down so then they can help the prisoners calm down escalating their behavior through throwing back at them what they're what's getting you know like so you think about a prisoner gets really upset so they start to yell because again these are human beings this isn't perfection this mm-hmm. is still prison right these human beings get very upset. They're using their old methods of, um, you know, what's normal to them when talking to people. And the prison guards, they've been trained to teach them a new way. Yeah. This is, I am not going to respond to you in the way that you responded to me. I am going to help you calm down and I will stay calm to help you calm down. Does that sound familiar right. at all? I mean, that is exactly what parenting in a way where we give our kids new tools, not through demeaning them and dehumanizing them and putting them in a corner and throwing them in their room and taking away their stuff and making them feel like crap and making them want to be away from us. We help them with new tools by becoming and demonstrating what they can do instead. When you are upset, here's some things that you can do instead, not just by the lecture, but by watching me. Mm-hmm. When you are upset, notice what I do because I, you know, it's like a, again, you're not even using words. You're just using your behavior. You're de-escalating it by not playing the game. Mm-hmm. I am not going to come back at you with that. Right. Um, next clip. Ready? Yes. Here we go. Yesa says there's little violence in German prisons. How do you explain that? If you treat them as if they are your enemy, they will react as enemies. Uh, they will react as as dangerous. In fact, many of them are dangerous. We were up there on a row where everyone you asked, I was in for murder, murder, murder. They are human beings and they know a violent manner. And uh, we do exactly the other way around. Don't be aggressive. Show them that there is a different kind of conversation uh, possible. So let's take this back to parenting. You know, teenagers, you know, they're giving you a hard time about whatever. And we think that we have to get louder or or punish them with a even greater punishment, whether it be phone or not being able to go out with their friends. And I don't know, our oldest is 13, but I don't think you and I are ever going to ground our kids. And we've talked about this a little bit. And I don't even want to get into the specifics right. because when we start to say we're not going to ground, then people say, well, then what are you going to do? And it's not a, these are not discipline strategies. This is connection strategy. This is when an issue comes up, you deal with it immediately. When Todd says we're not going to ground our kids, it's not because our kids do things perfectly. It's when they start to demonstrate a behavior or say something that is inappropriate, you talk about it right then. What's going on? You sound upset. Did Is there something that that's going on? Is there something that I can help you with? How can I support you? And a lot of times they're not willing to talk about it right there in that moment. But they know that you notice. Yeah. They know that the, the communication is open. They recognize that the way they're feeling is important. They recognize that there is another way to deal with what they are feeling rather than hide it, pretend it's not there, or just simply be polite all the time. Mm-hmm. They recognize their humanity and their humanness. Well, and one caveat from what you just said, you deal with it in the moment and the only caveat I will put in there is you need to make sure that you are of calm mind in that moment. Because if sometimes a parent might hear that and be like, okay, well, I have to deal with it right now. And right now I had a bad night of sleep last night, a bad day at work, and I'm in a really pissy mood. And then I'm going to go after it. And I guess what I mean about dealing with it in the moment, it's not about when your child comes at you raging. Mm -hmm. It's when you notice something is off with your kid, open that discussion up. And that's the thing about knowing your kid and, and recognizing that 
um, when they, you know, they come to eat breakfast in the morning and they usually enjoy breakfast and they're kind of like down and they're kind of like sad instead of just being like, well, I don't have time for that. Right. It's a conversation of, you know, are you a little tired this morning? How was your sleep? And they may say, fine, fine, fine. Say, okay, well, if you need anything today, let me know. Cause sometimes I feel that way too. A morning can be tough. So it's not that you're always dealing with the, the, behavior once it's escalated to that that place of tantrum or rage what you're doing is you're noticing human beings in front of you yeah and you are you are interacting with human beings not from a role not from i'm the mom here's something else i have to do because i know that people hear me say that and they'll say oh so i have to in the morning not only do i have to do this and that but i also how do you interact with human beings do you notice how they're they're experiencing things or do you ignore them are you trying to get through the morning or are you trying to connect with people and again that in itself todd is a huge shift. I mean, talk about planting a new seed because a lot of people are living on autopilot where they are just trying to get through the morning. Right. And they're trying to say, once I get these kids out the door, then my life begins. Right. And I have those mornings too. There's no reason. I'm not judging that, but I'm saying if that is your everyday experience all the time with children, then that's a reframe in itself. Well, and just the whole idea of how, you know, a lot of parents scream at their kids but are nothing but kind and pleasant towards their coworkers. And right. it's just there's a disconnect. Even though your coworkers drive you nuts, you tend to have this cordialness towards them. But the minute that this baby is born from your body, you you help make this baby and then all of a sudden you think you have the right to scream and yell at them. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I think it's just such old programming. I think that so much of this is what we're shown and taught and what's been normalized in our society. And so we just pick up what people give us. You know, if that's been used with us, then we use it. It's what we see in the media. It's what, you know, even some experts still say do this or do that. You know, there's still people out there that we really trust who are saying you have to do this and you have to be stronger and you have to be more powerful. And that's really the word in itself is in parenting, we often think it's a power struggle, a game of power. Who has more power? So let's play that relationship, that kind of relationship out with your partner. So Todd, if you and I decided that really what a relationship is about is who has most of the power, then we're constantly going to be struggling. Yeah, we're competing against one another. Because somebody needs to be more powerful, right? right? We can't actually like, you know, share it. We can't actually like have the same level of power and discuss back and forth. Now, in the relationship with a child, of course, I understand that we are in charge of their physical safety and we are their teachers and we are their guides. So there's part of that, like there's, you know, having boundaries and understanding what the relationship is. But at the same time, when a child comes to you and they have an issue, it is important to them and it's just as valuable as any issue is to you. Even if it doesn't seem important because you think, oh, that's ridiculous. Kids don't understand. They are where they are in that moment, and that's what's meaningful to them. And if you hear them from where they are, they then give you the same treatment back. That's the most important part of what, you know, what this guy just said in the prison system is the reason there's not a lot of violent interaction is because the guards are treating the prisoners in a certain way. And so the prisoners therefore treat the guards in a certain way. Somebody's got to make a shift. Somebody has to change. And in the way that Todd and I look at parenting is that we are the adults. We are the ones who actually have the, the, the full capacity and the, um, you know, the capability in our brain to actually make that shift where children are still developing their brain, their frontal cortex. They're still figuring all those pieces out and creating all those synapses. They're still having experiences where they're learning what works and what doesn't. We have had enough life experience to say, you know what? This isn't working anymore. I'm going to try something new. There you go. You ready for the last clip? Yeah. Here we go. The conversation starts right away. It's based on therapy. Psychologists make an initial assessment of all new inmates and devise personalized prison plans for them. Recommendations for counseling, classes, vocational training and work. Inmates who follow the plan earn greater freedom and early release. We cannot see the sense in just locking people up for their whole lives. Your prisons will fill up and you have to build new prisons and so on. And I think that was the situation in the U.S. With more than two million inmates in U.S. prisons, more Americans are coming to Germany seeking solutions. So the end of the story goes on to talk about how the Americans are learning from the Germans to see if it works. Because 
I think that what's the catchphrase they use? Um, be strong, uh, be strong against crime. What is it? Something like that. And they're like, no, let's be smart. Right. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The yeah, it being smart on crime. It actually means being instead of getting tough on crime. Exactly. Let's get smart because tough isn't working. Tough. And and here's the thing. This is why we have to go back. Beep beep beep. We got to go back in time and realize what ended up happening. How did we like quadruple our prison system? It became a mean. <laughs> Was I a little late you on that one? So late. Oh, sorry about it that. It became a means of getting people elected. Really, what happened with our politicians is it started to become a way to get elected. Yep. I am going to be harder on crime. I'm going to going to create the three strikes you're out. I am going to be the toughest, you know, punisher of you know all of these cruel people. And we demonized and made all of these um, people not worthy. Of, of living. Mm-hmm. Basically, we said, we're going to lock you up and we're going to put you away and we never have to look at you again. And even though those of you who have been victims of a violent crime or a crime of any kind, obviously there's anger and there is the need for justice and, and consequence. I get that. I get that at the deepest level. But what we're doing is we're forgetting that these people are human and that the way that you change people's behavior is not through treating them like animals and and through being cruel and basically through making them hide away in a cell the rest of their lives. They're, they're, that ends up just creating another what, – what do we even call you know prisons anymore? I mean basically we're just – throwing a bunch of people in there and having them kill each other. Yeah, there's no chance. There's 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 no no chance chance. for these people. So I understand that we just have a very black and white way of looking at things. And we say you're either good or you're bad. And the truth is, is that everybody is born with the capacity. They're all born good, A, and everyone has the capacity to learn new behavior. We know this now because of neuroplasticity of the brain. We know this through research that people have an opportunity to learn new skills if they are given – you know, people are willing to teach them. Right. If we are willing to offer assistance, if we are willing to to give coaching and therapy and show a new way, then things can change. Now, the thing that's crazy, though, now, Todd, is that the it's so out of control. Like our prison system is so big now yeah. that the seeds that we plant today, we may not see their fruition in our lifetime. Right. We may not, you know, if we start a new kind of plan today, because like you said, uh, there's, there were, were all these people um, touring the the German prison who are from the United States. Trying, they're trying to come up with a new way here. Right. But even if they plant those seeds today, it's going to take a while. Yeah, it could be a generation. It could be, uh, yeah, two generations. Absolutely, but that doesn't but, mean we don't start. Yeah, and we're on a path of this is. It's getting worse and worse. It's getting Our worse. prisons continue to grow beyond the population growth. I mean, what we're doing is not working. What we're doing, and and let's remember why Germany changed their system. Right. The Germans changed their system because after World War II, they completely recreated the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, behind. it's protected constitutionally. Exactly. They don't have the death penalty. Yep. They have a, you know, it's all about treating human beings with kindness or respect or whatever it Treat is. Treat people humanely. Yeah. That is the core. That is the seed that they planted and after World War II. isn't that interesting? Here we are learning from the Germans after what, you know, Hitler did, you know, 1940, whatever right. it is. And now here we are thinking we're the evolved society in the U.S. and we're learning from them. And that's the way the world works. Instead of demonizing us and saying we're bad, they're good, that's what well, that's what life is. We watch other people and we learn from them. And instead of dividing and saying it, it, it's just we're all evolving right. is what we're doing. And there are certain – you know, for the atrocity that occurred in that country and for, you know, the evil mm-hmm. that occurred, they what came out of it was their ability to see things differently. And now their prison program and the way that they are treating the people in their society is more humane. One last uh, statistic, 75% of people who are uh, – who have life imprisonment, 75% of them get parole in less than 20 years, which means that they modify their behavior, they go before the parole board, and 
there actually is a transformation that can go on. Not to everybody. You're talking about the Germans. The Germans. Yes, yes, yes. Not to everybody, but it goes to 75%. That's a lot. That's a lot. And it tells you that, you know, I don't know. You know what it does is I don't know how it all works. And there are so many emotions and and there's so much um, pain caught up in the prison system with people who have been victims of crime, you know, trusting our judicial system and if it's really effective and if it works and, you know, people who have been put away for things they haven't done. There's just so much pain. Um, So it's hard to talk about because our emotions get the best of us. And we say, if you do something bad, then you should be locked up for life, period. But we have to remember that what we do to others, we're doing to ourselves because we are all connected and because we all, and again, the Maya Angelou quote that I love, whatever whatever another human can do, I'm not saying the quote right, what is it? Whatever is of a human is of me. Correct. Meaning if another human being has done something, it means I have the capacity to do it too. And that means negative or positive. Right. So if we look at it that way and we start to realize our interconnectedness and we start to realize that the only way to create compassion is in a society is to offer compassion, then we start to maybe plant new seeds. Yeah. Because really that's, we have to start, it starts small, Todd. Well, what's the, whatever, the Native American quote, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, and the second best time is right now. <laughs> that's great. That's perfect. Um, our first partner is John J. Kelly Dentistry. He is a good friend of ours, and he is a smile designer. And instead of us taking our girls to the regular orthodontist, orthodontist here close to us, we decided to take our kid to John J. Kelly, and he has um, helped our daughters have proper facial um alignment through their adolescence. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, go to Chicago Dentist Online. Throughout their lifetime, not just throughout adolescence. I know, but isn't it like after you're you're kind of done growing and things just kind of take care of themselves? Well, it, the whole point of it is, is that if you're getting everything in an alignment properly, then as beyond that, then they the proper alignment actually creates better health overall. Yep. Right. You right, know what right. I mean? Got it. Got it. So got it. it helps them five up. Um, real quick, can I play a 42-second clip uh, from this USA Today thing that I found? Sure. Uh, it's not necessarily kindness. It's more of a reflection about how us parents can get crazy regarding our children. Okay. Here we go. Orange, Connecticut may not seem like a dangerous place to be, but it was this Sunday if you were a small child who wanted to find some Easter eggs. Pez Candies held an Easter egg hunt at their headquarters in that town, and thousands of people showed up to hunt the 9,000 eggs on the property. However, things quickly broke down, with parents pushing aside three- and four-year-olds to get the best eggs for their own children. Pez's general manager said that parents rushed the field before the hunt was even allowed to start, behaving like locusts. Dozens of parents and children were disappointed by the event, with at least one child crying because he didn't even get a chance to hunt for eggs before the pushy parents ruined the event. Don't parents suck? (laughs) Jeez. It's an Easter egg hunt. I know. Like, this is a celebration of Jesus rising from the dead, and parents are pushing. (laughs) And, you know, you can laugh and cry at the same time because we've all had those moments where, you know, my kid's not getting any Easter eggs, so you get, like, overly protective. And then it's the whole group mentality. What's Yeah, it's like, you know, then all of a sudden you don't. Mob mentality. It's the mob mentality. And I don't know. I, I meant to play that last week after Easter, but I forgot to. So. Well, and it really, what I think about when I hear that is the people who are doing that are asleep. And I don't mean they're asleep in their beds. I mean, they are so disconnected from what's most important in that moment that they have, they're in this mindset. I don't even know if I call it a mindset, a sleep place where they're competing. Yeah. They're in, it, that's kind of what we talk about, you know, when we talk about com- competition on this show, um, even though we don't need to just say, I I never say competition is fully bad, but what I say is that it's become our way of doing everything. We compete in relationships. We come, you know, we compete when we're having a conversation. We compete in how we dress and, and who gets the last word and who has the best comment on social networking. And not every, you can't be the best at everything, Mm -hmm. nor are you supposed to be, nor is it that important. And even if you become the best at something, you still feel you're not done. You're like, okay, I was the best at that. Now I have to go be the best at something else. You know what? what? I was just thinking of something. You remember that Friends episode when Monica is dating? Um, it's John Favreau, and he's the um, he it loves her, but she doesn't love him back initially. But then they get together, and basically he's a total like 
rich guy who's, you know, totally taken over the technology world and he's you know, made all these accomplishments and then he decides he's going to be one of those fighters. Yes. Ultimate, ultimate fighters, the ultimate fighter. And he's like, I have to do this because I have to keep proving to myself that I'm worthy. Right. And he's basically, even if he was to become the ultimate fighter, he'd need to find something else. Always something more. And what, and what that means is then, well, you say, well, what do you do instead? You understand who you are. You understand your connection and that you're valuable just for being, just for being here. You can go out and have play a game and have fun and have some healthy competition. But when you start to make competition your entire life, it's like a big gaping wound that yeah. you can't fill or yeah. heal. It's ego. It's less than. It's division. It is separation. It is I am what I have. It is power. It is exactly. It is I need to be better than other people to be okay. And to overcome my own insecurities. Exactly. So instead just be secure about yourself and not and don't you don't have to win. And that's a practice in itself. Like people are spending their time at Easter egg hunts practicing competition, meaning they're going out there and stealing eggs for their kids. What if an Easter egg hunt, what if our the normal part of society was to practice being calm? Yeah. What if everybody there was like Okay, I'm going to be calm. Calm down experts. Exactly. We need the, you know. We need the German. uh, Guards. Yeah. To begin to be around and help us calm down. And I really do think, though, that is becoming more normal. Maybe it's just because that's everything I read about. So I'm inundated with it. Mm -hmm. But I think that it, it may not be showing up yet, but I think those seeds are planted. Don't you think? I do. I hope so. I think so. Let's just presume so. Mindfulness has become normalized. Mainstream. mainstream. Um, the whole idea of what consciousness means has become mainstream. Um, things aren't so esoteric anymore. Right. We don't connect everything to religion. We realize that the idea of having self-awareness and and um, contentment and connection to other people is just universal principle. Right. So I feel like those kind of things show me that we're moving in the right direction. And even if, you know, maybe we are, maybe we're not. The bottom line is only thing we have control is of ourselves. So the only thing that we can do is control ourselves, understand our emotions, and then that will have a ripple effect to our kids, which will have a greater ripple effect to who they work, deal with. So, And the only thing we can control is right now. Right. So your point is well taken that I'm saying, oh, maybe this will make a change in the future. Well, there's no way to know that. But all we can do is right now do what feels right and what connects us. There you go. Um, Our second partner is Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, Healthy Families by Choice, Not Chance. She's an Elmhurst and she's awesome. Give her a call at 630-941-8733, chirotree.com. So we're at 37 minutes in. You think we could do Atlantic in about 10 minutes? I do. Really, this article that we talked about in the Atlantic um, that was sent to me by a few people, and I saw a few people posted it as well. It was uh, March 28th when it came out. Um, So again, no spanking, no timeouts, no problems. It's really about this, um, you know, guy, this psychologist who is explaining that He's trying to help these parents who live in this middle ground where sometimes they're lenient, sometimes they're harsh, sometimes they're punitive, sometimes they're disconnected, and trying to give them a better sense of how to interact with their children. And that really the way that they interact with their children is then what their children learn how to do in the world, which is, as to Todd's point, connected to this whole idea of how we interact with prisoners. You know, really we're just trying to, you know, role model when things are going wrong, how, as a parent, role modeling for them how to manage it, how to handle it, how to have a good cry about it, how to work through it, how to, that that plays a huge role. Now, it doesn't mean one thing that I think they should have, you know, touched uh, on. Uh, yeah, that I want to say dived into, but that's not the right word. Dove into. Do- is dove a word? Dove's a word. Dove. Oh, dodo, dodo. Dodo, dodo. We watch Rocky Balboa, by the way. Yeah, that's part six. Part six. So it's Creed seven. Creed is seven. He's made seven of those movies because Rocky five was like really bad. Really bad. And then so, Rocky Balboa, was, he made a really good movie. And we watched that this weekend and man, it was pretty good. It was good. There was a little element of cheese, but it was still, but all Rocky movies do. Yes. But anyway, um, 
he didn't he didn't successfully dive into um, how that if you are abused as a child, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be an abuser when you grow up. There are other variables that come into play, and there's too many variables to be put into one article. Yeah. Because a lot of times we read these things, and you're saying, well, if I role modeled this, my kids are going to automatically do it. There are other things going right, on. But you are predisposed. You are more exactly. likely to. You. It is what you've seen, and it's what becomes normalized for you. And this isn't even something that do we even read need research to know that we are attracted to what's familiar exactly whatever we see and experience every day is what becomes you know typical to us and so he there's kind of there's a few things that that he talks about in this and really what he's saying is you need and when to when you break, say he who's he um he's the Alan uh, Kazdan yeah. from the Yale Parenting Center thank you very much You're yes welcome. him um he's talking about that when we're with if we're not going to punish children if we're not going to use spanking if we're not going to use timeouts what are we going to do he says focus on what happens before a child has some kind of breakdown or before you start to get into that mindset of punishing. Where is, you know, what's happening before, what's happening in the moment when the child is having a hard time, and then how you follow up at the at the tail end. Right. Which really makes sense if you listen to the show, because really all he's saying is recognize what happened before the negative behavior. Were you was how was your energy when you went in there? Were they feeling rushed? Were they feeling overwhelmed? Are are you constantly um you know, coming and going? Are you yelling? Are you? And then their behavior tends to make a little more sense. I think sometimes we disconnect from how we perceive, not perceive how we play a role in the behavior that they're demonstrating. Oh, we think it's completely outside of us. We don't recognize how when we're saying to our kids, put on your shoes, get get down here, that they aren't going to want to be defensive back. Yeah. And, you know, there's one of two things that can happen, and both of them are difficult. One of them is they start to cower and start to become afraid of us. Mm -hmm. And we often call that positive behavior, which really they're just learning how to tiptoe around us and walk on eggshells. Or number two, they fight back. And then we say, can you believe my kid talks negatively to me? Can you believe my kid is disrespectful to me? And oftentimes I can, because if that's what is being brought to them, they then bring that back because they have no other means of communicating. They don't know how to do it differently. So we have to demonstrate that behavior. And then in the moment, you know, like when they're having a tantrum, and this isn't in the article, but I'm just sharing this. When your child is having a tantrum, instead of telling them they shouldn't be having it or making them feel bad about it or telling them they can't be angry or, you know, or making your social embarrassment more important than what's going on with them, understand let them cry. You know, give them some space. To release. Let them deal with what they're feeling because they are doing it in the most natural way. See, adults, well, adults do have tantrums all the time. Yeah, it just doesn't, we don't call it tantrums, but of course we do. Yeah, we, we call it like, well, you made me so mad I had to yell at you, or we call it road rage, yeah. or we call it's just a bunch of tantrums. Right. But they do it more naturally and more organically. They need to yell it out and they need to move and they need to stop. And then when they're done, to sit down with them and breathe with them and and help them talk through what they were feeling and help them with things they can do instead or other possibilities and just let them know you care. Yeah. Because when they know their behavior is normal or when they know that their feelings are normal, it dissipates everything. So that's really what he's talking about in this. And I'm not using – I'm kind of going through it because I wanted to use more of his language than mine. The last line in the article is uh-huh. we don't change their children. We change the parents so they can change their children. And when Kathy read that to me, <laughs> um, you know, we didn't come up – you know, we stole our tagline from Dan, Dan Siegel. Siegel. He yeah. probably stole it from somebody else, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. But it's just funny. Like this guy is saying exactly what we've been talking about for the last five years and, you know – and we got this information from somebody who wrote a book 20 years ago. So it's not new. It's not ours. It's not ours. We're not claiming ownership over us. It's just funny that people are looking at this like it's newsworthy and it's not. This has always been there. It's part of the wake up process. I mean, it really is becoming more aware of what we're doing and why. And when we start to question the why, we start to see that there's a million different ways to do it. And you know, Todd, you're the we don't change their children, we change the parents so they can change their children. That comment someone posted on our Facebook page and they said, well, Kathy usually doesn't like those kind of words mm-hmm. because really people don't need to change inherently. What they need to do is become more self-aware right. and they need to have a reframe. So it's not like change the parents, they're bad people, 
make them good. It's about you help the parents, you support the parents so they can see things differently, and then they can help the child see things differently. That's really what he's trying to say. And so I, this article is, I think, worthwhile. There's parts of it that I don't agree with, to be honest. Yeah, I did, it seemed some of it was inauthentic praising. It, it was. Inauthentic praising I didn't love, and I also didn't love he's talking about a reward chart, like yeah. the kid does something. Yeah, it's like get, behavior modification stuff. But with that said, hey. That's better than spanking. That's right. Like, let's be open to not everything is going to be the way I see it or you see it or right. the person on the street sees it, but it's an opportunity to look at things differently. And really that is, you know, for, for these kind of articles to become mainstream, it begins a conversation. Yeah. So start the conversation. And, you know, that the thing that when people um, email us and, you know, send us letters and stuff like that about this show, really what I appreciate the most is when they say, I always knew that I wanted to do it this way or this felt right to me, but I just kind of needed somebody else to say, yes, this is okay. And I don't think, as Todd said, we're not teaching you anything you don't know. Yeah, we are reminding you that teaching that treating people with compassion and kindness is a good thing. Yeah, well, and you know, I was kind of getting like, "Oh, we didn't write this; we stole this." But to your point, this is intuitive. Intuitive. If we could allow these natural things, because we think when people are born, they're born out of goodness. Now, does that mean that everybody ends up making good decisions? Of course not. But our cellular memory of when we showed up as a baby, as an infant, when we're six months old, that's goodness in our opinion. How can it not be? Right. We just, we just got here. And all we're at, well, all we're doing is inviting you all to tap into that inherent goodness that is inside each one of us. To trust it. Because what we do is we, our lens, because of the society, the media, the things we've read, the things we've learned, our lens is skewed toward the negative because our brains are trained to notice the negative because that's survival instinct. So it's not that you're a bad person. It's recognized. And that's why the things on this show like brain development and understanding how the brain, you know, neurobiology, all those things are in mindfulness are necessary because if you don't understand how the brain works, then you start to be self-depreciating and you think, oh my God, I'm such a bad person because I saw the negative. Hello, I see it too. I see it everywhere. The question is, what do you choose to pull from? You know, Todd just said we're, you know, we're all born good and obviously we are. That doesn't mean we don't make poor choices and make bad decisions and get angry. All those things happen. It's what we do next. How do we treat ourselves after that? Do we learn from it? Do we grow from it? Do we do we work on how to calm down? Do we uh, forgive ourselves for our anger and other people's anger or we do we start piling up the resentments and the self, you know, self-loathing? Like we've got to decide which way we're going to go. Which wolf are you going to feed? Which wolf are you going to feed? Um all right, I'm going to move on. Okay. We we didn't get any um um, iTunes reviews. Uh-oh, we may not be on the what's hot list then. But we did get a voice <laughs> message uh, that I made a little bit shorter just because it's a minute and a half long. So this is about 45 seconds. So, so when seconds. you say a voice message, what do you mean? Oh, uh, on our website, it says send us a voicemail. So go to zenparentingradio.com and you can ask a question or give us a comment. And this nice lady, I forget what her name is, um, and I, I don't even think I play it at the beginning just because I don't know if she wants it broadcast. Okay. But this is a nice message from this lady. Have a moment, but um, I was very high achieving, type A, perfectionist, people pleasing person. Have been my whole life, and although I wasn't naive about parenting, I don't think I have been absolutely shocked by how hard it has been for me because I have been good at everything I've ever really tried my whole life, and I have a struggle being a mom. And I think part of it is that it didn't really turn out how I expected. Like I became a single mom within a year of becoming a parent. And that was a shocker, something I never expected in my life. And, you know, I was a single mom for three years and now I'm with a really wonderful man and we're in the process of blending families. But, uh, geez, every day is such a struggle. And your show has just been, you know, just a little light in that and a support. And I'm so grateful for how gentle and compassionate you are with your perspectives because it is helping me to be more gentle and compassionate with myself. So thank you. 
So it kind of it, it, it automatically cuts off at a minute and a half, and I what, think she had a what beautiful words, gentle well, and compassionate. Well, and what an incredible level of honesty too. Like she's like, oh my god, I've been so good at so many things in my life, and I feel like. I'm struggling with this parenting thing. Like, first of all, join the club. Yes, yes. Uh, and second of all, nobody says that. Nobody admits how hard it is, especially when your babies are born. I mean, I'm probably have quite a few challenges coming up as my daughters get into their teenage years. But man, when your kids are born, like, especially for the moms, because you guys are giving up your body and everything. Our freedom. I can't, it's so hard. And I don't even know, like, I never hear that. Like, oh, babies are so great. And um, do you girls tell each other how hard it is? No, I do. I mean, to say I never hear that wouldn't be true because I work in this world. So I hear it all the time from people. But mainstream, typically it's expected. I feel like it's a secret that nobody's telling each other how, not impossible, but it's really challenging in the best conditions. It's a change. Okay, you know how she said, I've been really good at everything my whole life. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Like, I, I learned the rules, I played the game, and I did well. And that's kind of what we do through life is we're like, okay, I'm supposed to do this next. I'm supposed to go to college. I'm supposed to get a job. And we we follow this pattern. And then with parenting, it's completely different. There, there are no rules. There's... You know, it, and the rules change on a daily basis. They they change on a daily basis, and you have to be present for every moment. And when I say present, I want to. I just read this the other day, and I was like, God, thank you for that language. Being present doesn't mean you are constantly aware of everything that's happening at every moment. That's impossible. Your brain can't do that. Or being calm or anything else. You could be present and extremely agitated. Well, yes, right? that's true too. But what I was going to say, the, the direction I was going to okay. go was that presence just means that you are noticing when it's time to do something different. Mm. Presence means not that you are like looking at your kid and you're one-on-one with them and you're you're constantly playing with them. That's not what I mean, or I think anybody else means by presence. It means when something happens, like say they do have a tantrum, you notice and you make a choice of how to handle it rather than stay asleep and then go into anger or whatever it may be. You actually you become conscious, you take a deep breath, you say, How, you know, how can I calm myself so then I can help calm my child? That the presence happens when there's a difficulty often because our brains aren't present all the time, Todd. Like we're, you know, we're thinking about things, it's it's moving, it's growing, it's changing, but presence can happen in those important moments where you wake up. And so to, um, did she say her name? She may have in the beginning, but I don't know if she wants us to play it anyways. Well, I just want you to know. I call her the lady. La- the lady. I'm the lady say, from, from the voice mom. From the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want you to know that when I had my kids, I was really lost too. And uh, I was, I've gone through depression. Um, I have had therapy and Todd and I have had energy workers and we've had coaches and it's it's not about... You've read a few books too. <laughs> do you think? Um, and ri- written a few. You know, it's not about the challenges. It's how you deal with the challenges. Hey, Rocky Balboa says that too, remember? I do. It's not about getting hit it's and about, falling down. It's about how, her, how hard you get hit and then get back up. That's right. That's a really motivational scene. It is. It's resilience. It is being able to say this day was hard, not I'm just going to go to bed and forget it ever happened, but what can I do differently? How can I support myself better? How can I um, you know, find people who can su- help support me? How can I take some things off my plate and not think I need to be superwoman? It's this, this deep self-awareness on a daily basis that when you're – when you are focusing on that, there's a lot of joy that comes out of that. Do we want to play that Rocky scene? Or sure. No? Why not? All right. All of you that, that people are making you out to be a joke and that I'm going to be included in that? Do you think that's right? Do you? You ain't going to believe this. But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up to say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day. It was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. 
The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. Hmm. He's talking to his son, by the way. That's good. Yeah, I think so. It's a great speech and it is it actually I'll put that in the show notes too. It actually fits really nicely with today. Yeah. Um ironic that we watched it this weekend that Isn't it was it? on. Um quite a coincidence, sweetie. Well, as we all know, coincidence is coinciding, it's perfection. And that's kinda how things go. If you notice your you, if you really notice your day, you'll notice that things were just kind of fitting together perfectly. But instead we tend to notice the thing that didn't work. Yeah, focus on the one because bad thing. our brain does that. So when our brain does that... Become the observer of your thoughts. Can we observe it and say, you know what? Yeah, that negative thing did happen, but all it's these other things... It's not going to define my day. That's right. Um, so two things before we close the show with a special song. Yay. Uh, one is our third partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, uh, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, avidco.net, 630-956-1800. And then I want to, I get this email from FAMZU. They're our kind of partner, and we've done a show with Bill, who's the founder of FAMZU. But real quick, do you want to know, sweetie, that if you save just $2.99 per day and you get an 8% return, so instead of buying your coffee every day, yeah. I'm not directing this to you, you by the way. You kind of are, though. <laughs> because you're, you're talking, because I'm talking to you. Okay. $2.99 a day, if you earn an 8% return, do you know that it will, after 54 years, it equates to a million dollars? That's crazy. So the little things are the big things if you do that. So I highly recommend FAMZU. We have a link to them on our website, and I'm just a huge fan of Bill who founded it, and we use it every day. So check them out. What's the song we're going to hear? So, Todd and I were in Nashville last week, and um, I just, I have my Y'all. own. I have my own thing for country music. The rest of my family doesn't really share it. Um, but one of my favorite uh, country music singers is Tim McGraw, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that because um, he's amazing and has been around forever. You actually like him too. A yeah, well, bit. he's a pike, and um, he seems pretty normal. I think you were watching a documentary on him, and he's just like a really normal, fun guy. He's just a great down-to-earth guy. Yes. And um, he uh, has this song that I actually played the video at our conference, but called Humble and Kind. And last night was the um, ACM Awards, uh, American Country Music Awards. And he sang this song, Humble and Kind, and it was really beautiful um, because if you listen to the words to the song, which I'm sure many of you have or you will when we play it, um, it's all about inclusion and it's all about um, having that sense of humility and giving back and helping other people and staying connected. And it's everything we believe in. So thank you, Tim McGraw, for this song. And I think he said... He didn't write it. Uh, another country singer wrote it, and I can't remember who it was, but he, he said that when he was um, trying to you know lay it down, like sing it in the studio, he kept breaking down and crying, oh, wow. which he had the same experience when he sang Live Like You Were Dying, which was about his dad, dad yeah. his Tug McGraw. He said he had to drink a lot of beer before he recorded that song because every time he would sing it, he would cry. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Oh, he's just beautiful. And he has three daughters mm-hmm. with Faith Hill, just like Todd and I do, so I always... Um, appreciate those two. Um, but anyway, so this is Humble and Kind by Tim McGraw. Won't be wasted time Always stay humble and kind Hold the door, say please, say thank you Don't steal, don't cheat, don't lie I know you got mountains to climb but to you when the work you put in is real 
drawer a chip and here's why bitterness keeps you thanks for listening folks hope you felt outstanding so there's some different ways you can support us. Um, one of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything, but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FAMZOO. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about The Tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking.